You're listening to the Homeboys Podcast, recorded in our Indiana office and with combined 40 years of experience. Here's your hosts, Clint and Scott. Hey, hey, real estate investors. You're with the Homeboys. My name is Clint Weatherill. We're excited to have you today. We've got a topic that I feel like everyone is interested in. If for nothing else, it's something that's been on cable TV forever. It, this is House Flipping 101. We both have a ton of experience in house flipping. Everyone likes the thought of putting money in your pocket right away. We're here to talk about the good things with it, the bad things, kind of what we do. We still do some of it, but we're a little bit limited in it. But uh, we're, we're more along the lines of long-term investing, but really at the core of my heart there's still a certain house flipper that exists because that's how I started in real estate. But as always, I'm here with my delightful co-host, Mr. Scott Adams. What's up? <laughs> how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. This yeah. is a exciting, uh, exciting day. We have an intern here at the office. This is his last day. We just had a, the entire team here. My kids were here running around like crazy. Yeah, I just um, had to wipe the sweat off my forehead because I was running around with them playing dart guns. You forgot what it's like to have little so fun little, uh, little it, kids running around like that, didn't you? It's it's better though when it's not yours because you can get them as wound up as you want mm-hmm. and then be like, "See ya, See good ya. luck." That's right, good luck. So it's all the fun with none of the responsibility. But Alex, uh, our intern, is um, he's an amazing kid. He he reminds me of young you and young me in a lot of ways. He's really sure. fired up about real estate. Um, he's ready he's to a just sponge. go, 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 yeah, go, wants go. Wants to soak everything up yeah. he can. Pretty, pretty neat to watch. I know you were probably a lot more like him at that age. Yeah. You know, I was just an absolute idiot yeah. in college. You know, he's getting ready to go back for his senior year. And right. I think, I, you know, it makes me think about how I was before my senior year. Um, yeah, I wasn't very career focused or investment focused at that time in my life. I know you were a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I had this, I was scared, you know, I was running on fear on, on you know, what, what my life would be like. I knew deep down that I didn't want to have to get a job, and that scared me, mm-hmm. and so I was a little more focused on it, just out of fear. You were still on fun mode, you know, and I, I was. Still wish I was then. on fun mode a I little know. bit. I know. I told my kids that. I'm like, don't get too serious too fast in college, yeah. you know. This is a time for freedom too and exploration learning who you are having fun you know this is they they talk about the pressure at school and i just think to myself you don't know what pressure is this is the time when you should be able to enjoy they have no clue what pressure is no clue well they put too much pressure on themselves i I think that's a across the board anymore with a lot of the young folks i it's okay to not pressure yourself to do everything uh right away you know i really like that gap year thing that a lot of, I guess, Europeans and others do. There's something neat about it. It's like the last time in your life you probably won't have a ton of responsibilities to, to do those things. And me, me and my uh, one of my best buddies, college roommate Ronnie, we had this whole plan. You know Ronnie well. And we had this whole plan after we graduated college that we were going to move to Florida and like yeah. be bartenders, kind of like uh, Tom Cruise and mm-hmm. Cocktail. And just kind of be beach bums and live it right. up. And we talked about that forever. And then I, I wussed out and got a pathetic job out of college uh-huh. that I hated. Right. You know, and I was thinking, man, you know, should have taken that time, you know, know. To, to get away. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of respect for, for folks who um, are willing to take the less 
um, kind of highly regarded path, but it still brings in fulfillment and, and mm-hmm. happiness. And there's a balance there because you can go do that and just have no actual fulfillment, you know, deep actual fulfillment and live a shallow life of fun. But there are people who are able to pull that off and also have the fulfillment. And I think it's neat when I see people do that. I mean, money's overrated, you know. Totally. So, but uh, yeah, so anyway, I was pretty driven on flips, wanting to do flips my senior year of college. And, and you got right into flips when you got into the That business. was my entire plan. Yeah. That was my entire business was just flipping houses. Yeah. You know, and why I... I don't know. I guess I saw flip this house on A and E, and was that out you know, already? Then I think so. Um, yeah. You know, there was a few books that I remember, like some, you know, had print that big because that has to be print that big for me to be able to read it. <laughs> that you know, read up about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but uh, but yeah, that was that was it for me. I wanted to be a, a house flipper, and you know, I did too. I met uh, Gary Apter, who. Um, it's kind of the original gangster of Indianapolis. Um, he is an OG. And uh, one of the original flippers here who did it right. There was a lot mm-hmm. of guys who didn't do it right. He did it right. He, you know, he had great reputation, you know, sound business, and a lot of success. You know, I know he's surrounded by multi-multi-millionaires, so he's always looking around him, you know, wanting to climb even higher on that mountain. But, I mean, his level of success in flipping is amazing. So I had that to motivate mm-hmm. me. You know, that was my junior year in high, in uh, college when I first met him. And so that was a big inspiration, him and a couple of other guys locally. So when I saw what they were doing with flips, and that's all mm-hmm. they did, it was just, you know, A&E type flips. You buy a house, you fix it up nicer, and you stick a sign in the yard, and you sell it. And it's very attractive. And it's very, um, um, it's, it's sexy, and it seems cool. But, you know, at its core, there's some other things that we believe in that are actually little more boring but actually better um, long-term plans um, well, let's face it I mean especially when you get your start I mean I you know graduating from Indiana University I was baroque as a joke um, had no money right you know and thinking about flipping real estate and you know uh, let's talk a little bit about flipping here versus other parts of the country in a minute but right. you know flipping here you know making a uh, a 20 thousand dollar profit call it you know on a flip i mean twenty thousand dollars was life-changing you know money at that time you know i mean my first job out of college i was making 45 grand you know a a year and then i got into sales and a little bit more than that but you know so twenty thousand dollars was was a huge deal um you know flash forward to, to today and said the lord's been good to us many times on this show you know 20,000 doesn't really, you know, change things. You know, we're right. looking, you know, more, you know, more long-term. So I, you know, flipping. But back was... then we were individual guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I was doing a lot of flipping. So were you. And I would also basically be flipping the whatever house I lived in. So I would buy a foreclosure to live in, fix it up, make that one really nice. And I remember the, the I have a picture of this house on my office wall that an artist drew, and uh, it's on Broadway here in Indianapolis, and it was that area was up and coming at that time. I bought it, and over that 11 months that I owned it and fixed it up, that area had appreciated a bunch, and I made six figures on that house. I don't know if I ever told you that. and So that was 99, mm-hmm. 1999 or 2000, and I thought, okay, that was just my personal house. That, that wasn't even part of my business plan. And I thought, okay, if I can make $100,000 a year on, a, on the house I live in, plus then everything else is gravy, 
Keep in mind, you and I were real small then. We didn't have employees. I mean, one man just, show, man. Right, we were just buying one houses, fixing them up, and selling them. You know, I wish I was a one man show now. I know. There's times where I do too, but you know, we. I just, shouldn't say that. I love everybody we work with. Yeah, I mean, we're I real truly lucky. love them. I love yeah. them. Oh, I know you do. I mean, we were just in here. We had the whole team here for celebrating awesome. Alex's last day. And, Incredible. And it's so neat, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, there's truth. I, we have to be honest about it. There's a small part of both of us, and I know it's true with you. It's true with me that you, you romanticize that idea of being just a one-man show, and you're making all that money, and it doesn't have to go to overhead and all this stuff. And it just it felt like just cash in your pocket, you know. So it felt different. I was driving a two-door Ford Escort around. It's crazy. Yeah. I still think that's the most <laughs> ridiculous story. So he bought a two-door Ford Escort out of fear, basically, which fear is a great motivator for young business people. It was a big motivator for me. It's been a big, big motivator for him. And uh, so when he quit his day job, his first job out of college, in order to flip more, he didn't have to. He had plenty of money to be able to drive whatever the heck he wanted just to be safe, he sold his nice vehicle yeah. on a two-door junker to drive around just because right. he was scared about car bills and everything else. You know, I going into business was scary for me, you know, and I think that going in, you know, you have to have the balls to get in and, and go after it, but at the same time, you know, being conservative with it, I think I, I think it helped me out a lot. I, mean, yeah. I, was, I was very, very cheap and... You know, everything I did, I was scared to death I was going to fail. I was afraid I was going to have to call my dad and say, hey, Dad, I fell on my face, you know, which right. you know, which I always said, told everybody, you know, I always had that safety net behind me, you know, where, you know, my dad was always there to help me out. And, oh, you know, sure. You know, um, never used. But, Maybe. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was you know, I, I always say, you know, if I'd, if I'd grown up to be a failure, it would have been 100% on me because my dad set me up like, you know, he, he – she yeah. taught me the value of a dollar. He right. got me. To, he, he paid for my college. Right. You know, um, I, pushed yeah. me to do the right things. Um, you know, I I always had that behind me. Where you know, like I, I know a lot of people that didn't, you know, have that. It was a security blanket. It really was. For sure. You know. I I think that it, people might get the wrong impression from that though, because I think you and I were similar in the fact that our parents gave us everything we could ever want to be able to launch. But at the same time, they were realists, and and had we failed at launch, they would have been there to help, su- like support us in a way. But and I'm not talking financially. Yeah, that's you what know? I, mean. I mean. They I'm wouldn't... not talking financially. You know, I wrecked my truck when I was a junior junior in high school, and it sat there till I got the money to pay for it because right. he wasn't going to pay for it. You know, I I had to pay for my room and board and everything, and in, in in school never, you know, <laughs> I uh, I could tell you the the I've told you many of the the crazy stories of that I would have to to work you know for my dad for zero money you know it was never about that it's just you know you always had someone wiser over you that you know you believed in you mm -hmm. and was willing to support Mm -hmm. well let's let's go let's let's dive in a little to the flips and I think a decent place to start if you're okay with this is when speaking of a and e I want to start kind of with that Mm. so there's a few things that you and I both notice are usually missing from the math that they show on the screen on those. Mm-hmm. So let's talk the real basic math and uh, kind of what's missing from what a lot of people put out there and uh, and what what you look for in a flip and how it works. Well, I think that the TV shows, TikTok, Facebook, all of this stuff, you know, glorifies, you know, flipping real estate. Um 
you know, especially if you go back to the TV shows, don't forget that you have the power of a TV network behind these people that are doing these flipping shows. You right. know, whether it's uh, you know that Tarek and Christina that uh, that do it. There's some. Um, I won't know any of these. You won't yeah, know yeah, any, I of don't them. Watch any of them. That stuff. But you know, there was a, a guy out of Alabama that was doing it for a while. But any, anyway, um, they've got the power of this network, and you know. They always sell their homes by by way of open house. Like it's so bananas. Like no one's really doing, you know, selling off of open houses these right. days. It's all you know, internet. But you know, the other thing that they leave off is, you know, they leave a lot of the closing costs off. They leave a lot of the realtor commissions off. They leave a lot of the carrying costs of money right. off. That this money's just free and it doesn't cost them anything. It's you know, um, whereas a lot of house flippers are going to be, you know, going to have cost of you know, carrying the money. I'd say know, 99% have to use leverage in some correct. sort, whether it's a line of credit. But even like you and I, we loan our company money mm-hmm. and we charge our company interest. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Correct. So there's cost on, on when our company does uh, flips, there's cost on that money. Sure, we're the bank, you know, personally, but there's there's interest and that's never in those shows. Mm-hmm. You know, the carrying costs are never in there. The miscellaneous, you know, the trash fees and the, Lawn mowing lots there, and all those little things. You know, this is a produce uh, a producer driven show that they 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 really know what they're trying to attain before they before they ever right. do it. You know, I mean, if you if you just watched, uh, you know, someone make uh, twenty three hundred dollars on a flip, you know, probably not going to get the ratings that they want. Right. You know. Um, right. So I noticed they left the real estate commissions off of a, a lot of a lot of them do, and the ones that. I've seen, and that's well, a significant cost. Especially with a lot of them are in California, you know. Yeah. So if you're selling, you a know, million dollar home, there's sixty thousand dollars in in realtor, right. you know, fees that you. Have. The other biggest thing I think that you know that that you see on some of these shows and you know social media, is an overinflation of what people are actually making on them because of these fees not you know not being in there, and it gets people that you know that want to dive in, you know, to flipping real estate, you know where. They're watching people make two hundred thousand dollars a house, and you know I think it's it's important to note that geographically there are huge differences. Like you you mentioned your first house on Broadway, where you had made six figures on. Mm-hmm. You know, six figures is almost unheard of in this market. Right. You know, we've done it. You know, I've done it a few times. No, you have. Um, but it's it's. Very few and far between, yeah. you know. Um, I can't, I don't know if I, there's got to be another one in there where I've, I made that, but I can't think mm-hmm. of one off the top of my head. Because it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know? I mean, I would say my average money uh, profit on flips, including the early parts of my career, is probably between ten and $15,000, my average profit. Absolutely. You know. I told everyone that whenever I was doing the bulk of my flips and I was representing other people flipping, um, a bad deal was ten. A great deal was thirty. Yeah, you know, so I mean, it falls, you know, right, right in that right. that line. You know, it's just doing uh, doing flips that you think that you're going to make. If, if your model is to only make seventy five thousand dollars in a market like Indianapolis, good luck. I right. mean, I hope that you can make it, but right. very difficult to do. Flips can go wrong a lot easier too than the long term plays. So with with flips, you and I did a, one of our first flips that we did jointly was in Carmel, where I live. And it went it went sideways. There was a lot of reasons. It wasn't rehabbed right. There was um, some 
pet urine smells. Smoky Row. Yeah, yeah. That we we painted over the. That was that, that was the street the house that was, was on, on yeah. Smoky mm-hmm. Row. We painted over the subfloor. But the guy didn't use kills or or the right stuff, so it didn't seal it in. I couldn't stand that dude. Yeah, there's yeah. That's the other thing. <laughs> I couldn't and, stand that. And dude. then it sat forever. It wouldn't sell. And then talk about our contractor. Yeah, guy. Then, I thought he knew everything. Then you got carrying costs, and you know you got a bad bad contractors not doing what they said, mm-hmm. and it, it just snowballs so quick. So, you know, with flips, you got to account for all of the all of the little hidden costs that the shows won't sell you show you so you know you're gonna have some cost of money you're gonna have carrying costs of all kinds of sorts trash fees water and electric bills you know all of those things Uh, you're gonna have real estate commissions um, when you do sell it and um, you know you just gotta account for all of those things and so you gotta go in with your eyes wide open and then you have to have a margin in there for you know errors and things that were found during the rehab so you just I want people to go into flips with their eyes wide open when they do them. And I think people would be shocked at at what we would pay for a house in order to make 10 to 15 grand. You know, we're talking paying $50,000 on a house that's worth $100,000 and you still only make 10 to 15 grand. Oh, we'll if do, things go right. We'll do the math. Say it's worth $100,000, you buy it for 50. Right. You know, $20,000 in 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 rehab costs, Pretty reasonable. you know. You know, you're 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 at seventy. Right. You know, call it another five thousand in you know points or carrying costs or anything else. If someone you know is getting a loan, right? Then you know you pay seven thousand dollars in realtor fees, right? And then you have another three thousand dollars in in overruns. You know, you know, no, uh, just the closing costs. Oh, right. When you get you know right. you're, whenever you yeah real sell, you have to pay taxes and all that stuff. You know, all of that. I mean, you're then you know you pay some capital gains. You know, taxes on it, what are you left with? Right. You know, I mean, a house that you bought for fifty that you know you put fifteen thousand in, you're left with ten thousand. Right. And so you people know. will say, Well, you bought that house for fifty grand, it's worth a hundred. That's awesome. I don't know, is it? Isn't that awesome? You know, there there's a, a couple of hedge funds that really it, it kind of solidified my thinking some with um with sometimes it's just not worth it. So you buy a house for fifty, you gotta put twenty in it. Let's say it overruns by ten. You know, by the time you add everything up, you're in it for the hundred that it's worth. Mm-hmm. And the hedge funds kind of figured that out a little bit, and they started just buying retail houses that people were living in because they knew they were ready to go and there wasn't going to be rehab overruns. They quit trying to buy value, you know, a while ago. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's so hard to to get this right and to flip. It's just very difficult to do, and it's pretty high risk, and there's high dollars involved. And if things go bad, it can go bad for a very long period. So it's it's a little riskier than what you and I have evolved to focus mm-hmm. on more, which is you know the long term holds and long term rentals. I understand the sexiness behind the flips. It's what got us into the business. It's fun. It's neat. I mean, it it's what we do is boring. We say it all the time. Mm-hmm. Boring. This is not flipping. Isn't it's fun. You go to no. Nars, it's a rush, man. Pick out the lights. Yeah. You know, you used to love doing it's the that. The drug of real estate. It is. Know. It's neat. You make a place cool. You have these ideas. You add, you know, shiplap to one wall for, you know, $400, and yep. suddenly that room's transformed. It's neat. It's, it's, it, it can feed your passion. Mm-hmm. But it also isn't as reward, rewarding financially as long term holds. It just isn't. I don't, I just don't believe it is. You know, if, if you could, if you could scale it and, 
you're also in a market at the right time, it can be financially rewarding. Right. You know, so let's talk about, let's call it 2005 to compare it to now. You know, so now we have so much owner-occupant competition, you know, that houses aren't staying on the market at all. There's very few HUD foreclosures. We talked about foreclosures in a, in a previous podcast right. where there's not, there's very few. It's going to be a while before there are foreclosures. You know, trying to find a deal that works in this hot real estate market is exceptionally challenging, you know, and the houses that are available, you need to be a very experienced remodeling expert to do the houses that are available now because the houses that we see available where there would be flipping opportunities, you're buying a house for 50 that needs 70, you know, thousand dollars. And then it's worth one sixty, Right. You know, so it's a, and you know, you're not getting, you're not getting a rehab money when you walk into your, to your local bank to get, to get money right. to, to purchase a house or these houses, you can't even get financing, right. traditional financing on anyway. If, if, let's say they had a line of credit though. They could buy the house using the line of credit, but usually the line of credit won't let them use it to rehab. The it's house. very challenging to do in this right. climate, but say you did. Yeah. But even, you know, most mm-hmm. of them won't. So you'd have mm-hmm. to come out of the rehab money, you know, out of pocket. But even if you did have the ability to, to finance that rehab, you know, you got to plan on a 10% over under on, on your mm-hmm. rehab at least. And when you're getting into the $70,000 rehabs, I mean, 70,000, you can just plan on it turning into 77. And if more goes wrong, it can quickly turn into 80, 85. Oh, and 90. the houses that are available, there's going to be a lot that goes wrong. Right. You're not buying a 19, you know, house built in 1950 and you put a scope of work together and it just so magically happens at that number or below it. It right. doesn't happen. So I'm going to explain why real quick, why why these are the houses that are available. And then we can uh, sit back and joke about in our early careers how we were only having to carpet and paint. So you knew to Yeah, the that's penny. what I want to talk about 2005 in right. a second. But yes. I'm yeah, so the reason that you, these are the properties that, that you're seeing on the market, the only ones that are deals to flip are high rehabs it's because they're, they're the only ones that owner-occupants really can't compete on. And anything that an owner-occupant can buy right now will sell for, you know, way above what, what the value for a flipper is. It just... It's just the way it is. You're competing with people who pay more than what you can to make any money on. So, so you've you've got that the the, the stuff below anything an owner occupant could even consider. Um, you have to look at that batch of stuff, and it's all high rehab. So anyway, so that that's why that is. Mm-hmm. Just in case you were wondering. And so back to 2005. Yeah. So, you know, this is whenever I'm start really hitting my stride in real estate. You've been doing it a little bit longer than me at that point, but. We didn't know what a phenomenal time that was. Like you don't know what you got till it's gone. Right. You know the old uh, Cinderella song. Remember that? that uh, I would sing it right band. now, but I don't want to hurt everyone. Don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> yeah, anyway. that was Cinderella. Cinderella. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, coming out of college and, and getting into real estate, it was a time where there was all of these new foreclosures that were hitting the market where builders were building these three, four, five, six hundred home communities and they weren't disclosing, you know, taxes. So they were selling everything based off of payment. Then the payment goes up, all these houses foreclosed. 
And I just thought that's how it was. I was buying a house that was three years old at 50% of the cost of what it, what it, right. what they originally sold it for. And I was putting like paint and carpet in it only. Right. And so, the, you know, so let's back up. So to 2005, mm-hmm. when these builders would come in, they'd build these kind of uh, uh, first time home buyer level houses. Back then they were say 105,000 for a ranch and 125,000 for a two story. And the builder would sell that house, but taxes wouldn't be assessed for two years on these properties. That's just how convoluted our tax system in Indiana is. And so these owner, these people would buy the house, their mortgage payment would be $700 a month. And then literally two years later, when their taxes would hit, they would have to start paying 1100. So their payment would go up from 700 to say 1100 a a month to make up for some past taxes and all these other assessments. So you could time a neighborhood when it would have foreclosures flood it. So at, at literally at the two year mark, you would start watching a neighborhood and say, okay, you're so right. I mean, that's exactly, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So it was a cycle and, and you know, I, that cycle continued because what would happen then is they would sell us foreclosures. Some people would come in and buy them who sh- probably shouldn't because they were foreclosures, get a deal. Then they couldn't afford it, and it would cycle again. So usually these neighborhoods we saw cycle twice. You know, they were double hit. But but anyway, the point was is these properties aren't available anymore. So Clint would go in, and so would I, of course, and we would buy <coughs> these. We call them vinyl villages here in Indiana, which is it's just a village with vinyl siding. You know, Rick facade, three sides vinyl. Right. Yeah. They just pop them up overnight. You know, these simple built houses, and they're good houses. They're great. They make great rentals too. But you know, when they would foreclose, the only thing you needed was paint and carpet. You know, at most, it, and if they had screwed up the cabinets, you go and you just paint the cabinets. So I mean, there was just wasn't much to do to them. No. And they they held value and could appraise, and you could sell them. People wanted them, so it was a great little product. And like we've talked about, it was a product you could count on. You could say, okay, well, good, that neighborhood, Hanover Crossing, that'll, I've got another year on that, so let me finish out doing this neighborhood, and then by the time I'm done flipping houses in here, I know that neighborhood's coming. I mean, you were the king of a few of those neighborhoods. You and, and Apter, too. Yeah, I, I planted my flag in a handful, well, called a dozen of them. Right. Um, that, I mean, Many many houses right. in each of those neighborhoods where I could I could tell you every street within that neighborhood to this day. Oh. But those were the glory days, and that doesn't really exist right now. And it may again, but you know, flipping has has some risks to it. You know, it's if that ever came back, I'd ditch your oh, ass so quickly, and I'd be on my own. I know, I know. <laughs> Just leave all the employees behind. That's right. See ya later. <laughs> no. I wouldn't, but I mean, it was, it was so cool. I mean, you know, I, agree. I mean, I, I was doing the work on a lot of it myself there for a while, but then, you know, you know, got basically a paint crew and a flooring crew right. and, you know, I, I was doing, uh, it's a great way to get into the business, mm-hmm. you know, for folks out there, we believe in long-term holds. I, we believe it has lower risk and it has, is a greater way to build wealth than, than flips. However, I get it. Flips can be fun. Flips is a great way to get into the business. You also can do it with a little bit of money as long as you can borrow from mm-hmm. people um, or a bank, a line of credit, or, or other means. There's all kinds of ways you can scramble to make it happen. It's a great way to learn and have a full-speed education in this. We don't focus on it. We don't, we don't focus on it for our clients at all, at all, because we don't, we don't believe in offering products to our clients that are that high of risk. And it just doesn't – we just don't believe in it for our clients. Um, I understand why individuals would go out and do it. And we even encourage you, go do it if that's what you want to do. It's a great way to learn. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, there is a 
we think a better alternative, which is what we focus on, which is the long-term building of wealth through holding real estate. So we like flipping. Love it. It's fun. It's great. Would it, would you agree that really know your market and know when flipping could be a thing would be step number one? Like I would advise against it right now because of the way everything is like, I mean, you know, even owner-occupants are saying, oh, yeah, I'd love to sell my house and ring the register, but then I don't know where I'm going to go. It's the same thing for real estate investors trying to find trying to find houses to flip. It would be because, I mean, there's just there's just not a lot out there. Yeah, it's it's so risky no matter when you do it. I was just thinking to myself, well, what, what if a bunch of houses came on the market? Would I recommend it then? Well, then I'd say uh, it's kind of scary because maybe the appreciation is going to fall off and you mm-hmm. built, bought based on that. So, like, it's always scary. <laughs> It's it is. I mean, there's scary. a lot of risk. Let me let me put another scenario out there for real estate investors that I believe works a heck of a lot better if you're wanting to flip. Yeah. You know, build your portfolio of real estate. Right. 10, 15, 20, 25 homes. Build that portfolio yep. of real estate. And then, you know, and, and do it where, you know, you have as little money out of out of your pocket as, you know, as possible. Be very focused on paying the debt service. Um, you know, very slow boring approach and then you've got this portfolio of real estate and then depending on the market you can flip whenever the hell you want it's true you know so you have 25 upgrade you have 25 homes and you know you have a market you say you're in a market like this and you say well i've got five non-performers that you know kind of struggled from time to time i haven't had the best tenants i've had some bad luck sell them ring the register you could do a 1031 exchange you know, uh, which is, you know, I don't want to get into that too much because we're not accountants, but, you know, it's basically a tax deferment, you know, plan, you know, build your portfolio even more. But with a portfolio of real estate, then your options, you have so many more options, you know, with what you can do. So true. You know, if you go in and just say, oh, I'm a house flipper and that's what, that's what I'm going to do and that's it. And, you know, you had, a, you had a great recession like we did in 2008 and nine. Good luck selling it. It ain't going to happen. Right. So, you know, what's, what's your exit strategy, you know, if you're only a house flipper? Like, right. that's it. You're not only going to be a house flipper for 30 years. Not going to happen. Right. You're going to go through economic cycles, and you're 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 going to have to be, hold you're, if you're smart. Correct. You're going to be left holding right. the bag. Right on something that you're going to have to continue to dump money right. out of for carrying costs or whatnot if you're going to be only a house flipper. Right. It's evolve or die. You know, it's... Yeah, so as a, uh, as a house flipper, you have to be ready for the market changes is, is basically what, what Clint's saying, is you have to be ready for those changes in a market. And so if the market does take a nosedive and you're a house flipper, you're going to have houses that you're flipping when the market takes a dive. And so a smart house flipper at that point won't sell them for a loss. I'll just add them to the portfolio rentals. What a great backup plan. What a great safety net. And then when the market comes back, you can sell off the ones you want from there. You've always got a rental portfolio that's building. It's a great mix. And it's kind of why I, I, I hate rental restrictions in neighborhoods. You know, I, I harp on this sometimes. Because anyone who's, who's smart, who lives in an, a, a, a neighborhood that won't let them turn their house into a rental you kneecap those owners because what happens if there's a downturn in the market and they have to change jobs and move out of town? Then they're forced to sell their house at the bottom of the market. Whereas if there was no rental restriction, they could just put a tenant in there for the next three or four years, wait for the market return, 
and sell it or just keep it forever and ride that out. And it just dump the price correct. and bring the values down of the entire right. neighborhood. So basically that's, uh, you know, as a house flipper, you need that safety net of being able to turn anything into a rental. And I believe homeowners should have that safety net. You and I believe homeowners should never sell their house and they should just turn it into a rental, but that's a whole other story. But, you know, having that safety net of, of building a portfolio at the same time is, I mean, it saved us. Mm -hmm. It's, it's saved us. So kind of bringing this all together, you know, we've said it a lot. I mean, how could you not like flipping real estate? It's fun. You know, um, you got to know the market that you're in. And I don't necessarily mean the geographical market. I'm talking about the the sales climate, uh, the, the supply and demand of real estate that's going on currently. And then the other step would be, or recommendation, I guess I should say, always have a plan B. Yeah. Don't just say I'm a house flipper and that is it. Always have something that if the market changes and goes the other way, which we saw it, we, we lived it for three years through the Great Recession, you know, what do you do, you know, if it hits the fan? You know, where do you go? Right. You know, um, but – you know, it's fun to talk about because I get, I get, I get kind of like that whole steel magnolias nostalgia thing going on. You know, thinking about it because there were great days. Like I love, so fun. I love doing it. Flipping's fun. You know, and I think that on the show sometimes we, uh, we just sound like a bunch of angry old men. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> thing is, we've lived through, we've seen so, we've seen so many ways that things can go wrong. Mm-hmm. That you know, I don't want to be a nervous Nelly and be crying about the sky is falling at all times, but it's it's served us well to understand the possible pitfalls that come along with this. That doesn't mean that we're not excited by flipping and it was neat and that I wouldn't love to, you know, go get my Camaro, my nineteen ninety four Camaro, and go drive around and flip some houses. You know, it was a neat time. I'd love you know, to see you in I know. full mullet. Oh, I, if I could grow hair and have Camaro. a mullet right now. You know, listening to some Motley Crue. Oh, I, yeah. Speaking of Motley Crue, well, you know, we gotta we gotta wrap this up. I saw Vince Neal of Motley Crue on Friday night at the State Fair. Him and Russell Crowe are on the same meal plan. Time has not been good. Time has not been good. Time's not been good to me no. either. So. And he's he's lived twelve lifetimes. You know, I know it. You know, if I if I look that good after living the way he's lived. And that's Man. the thing; these guys that we we grew up idolizing, they're all sixty, you right. know. Now, like, I mean, that happens. People do age once right. they, you know, they, as they get older. You know, would have thought. I know, isn't it crazy? Well, we've got a lot of stories about flipping. We we can't even really scratch the surface with uh, with some of the craziness that we've seen with flipping, and we we know the sentiment that everyone loves to flip, and we agree it's awesome. But be very cautious as always, and it always goes back. The homeboys believe in the holding of the real estate. That's the <laughs> most important part, as Jerry Seinfeld so famously said. But, uh, but anyhow, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to drop us a comment or reach out to us. Hit subscribe down there. We love cranking this, this content out for you, and there's going to be a lot more in the future. Hit us up. Till next time, we're the homeboys. Happy investing. Mm-hmm.